Too many who know the angles Uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle be in Dapper Dan Gavostin, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals, which definitely count. And I'm mischievous Mark Chinacchio, and I too own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, but Dan, as I always say, the annuals don't count. Well, welcome everybody to the Amazing Spider-Talk, the show where two fans and collectors uncover the strange, fun, and fascinating history of the Spider-Man comic universe. As always, a thank you to all of you for joining us for this review episode of the Amazing Spider-Talk. If you want to swing along with us on our journey through Spidey's past, present, and future, subscribe to Amazing Spider-Talk on your favorite podcast app. Every other week, we put out a mainline episode of our flagship show and sprinkled in between, re-review new comics, as well as interview some of the greatest Spider-Man creators of yesterday and today. This is the perfect time to start listening. Today on the show, Dan and I are going to be discussing Amazing Spider-Man Volume 5, Number 81, entitled Beyond Chapter 7. This issue was written by Saladin Ahmed, with art by Carlos Gomez, colors by Brian Valenza, with a color cover by Arthur Adams and Alejandro Sanchez Rodriguez, and of course, letters by VCs Joe Caramanga. This issue was first released on December 15th, 2021. Dan, we are catching up on our reviews because of holidays and everything else in between. So why don't we get into what we th- how we felt issue 81 went. Yeah, sure. We're going to start off how we kind of always do with our summary of the issue. So I'm going to do my best to kind of get into all the details in case you didn't read the comic or you need a bit of a reminder uh, since it's been almost a month since this comic came out because Lord knows they decided to release four issues of Amazing Spider-Man in December. That's Great timing, kind of guys. We have you know, to operate here. Because that's, that's, you know, December is the time where people are just focused on comics, you know? <laughs> Absolutely, (laughs) especially with the Omicron variant traveling around. But anyway, here we go. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man, Volume 5, Number 81. A monster called Rhizome is attacking Brooklyn and Beyond is preparing to send Ben to deal with it. But before Ben leaves, Marcus reminds him that if he sees the Brooklyn Spider-Man, a.k.a. Miles Morales, He's to remind him that he needs to stop calling himself Spider-Man due to Beyond's copyright on the name. But outfitted with a new rocket glider gadget and Janine's watchful support, Ben speeds over the East River to Brooklyn. But there, he, when he arrives in Bed-Stuy, he finds the fight already over and Miles already on the scene. Miles notices that Ben is different than Peter and they briefly fight. 
Ben explains he's working for Beyond with Peter's blessing, which annoys Miles, but he's quickly forgiven when citizens need saving. Rhizome returns to the fight and they team up to take him down, revealing a man at its core outfitted with tech from The Assessor, a villain from the Miles Morales series. The two depart on good terms without Ben pushing Miles to give up the Spider-Man name. But when Ben returns to Beyond, he finds an upset Maxine Danger, who has reprimanded Marcus because Ben didn't enforce the Spider-Man trademark. Maxine, again, lectures Ben on the amount of resources that Beyond has invested in him being Spider-Man. Maxine is then approached by a Beyond tech support employee and informed that Doc Ock has been digging into Beyond and their secrets. She holds a canister of the Rhizome creature and is prepared to use it. And that's the best I could do on Amazing Spider-Man Volume 5, number 81. Mark, uh, let, let's get into our thoughts on this issue overall. I, I, I largely thought that this issue was a bit of a missed opportunity. What, what did you think of this issue 81? You know, we kind of came in with the, the new twist of having a, a, a confrontation with Miles Morales and, you know, the, the battle for the trademark, if you will. But like, I just feel like we're kind of circling the same plot beats that um, we've been circling for the last six issues. And, you know, frankly, this is kind of an endemic of what we saw when it was just one creator working on this book, too. Uh, you know, we're, we're really just repeating beats and circling drain a bit and not really moving anything forward. And, and that's starting to get really concerning for me uh, in terms of the editorial direction of these books. Yeah, I think that's specifically around, in this case, Maxine and Janine. I feel like we've gotten the same conversation from them for five or six issues straight, like you said, and it's just kind of boring at this point. The appeal of this book should be the Miles confrontation, and I feel like there are so many opportunities here to actually like leverage who Miles and Ben are in the uh, 616 universe that could have like drawn some similarities between the two. You know, that could have been fun, right? Like, what does it mean for both of these guys to be kind of backup Spider-Men who also have the name of Spider-Man? You know, like may maybe they could have bonded over that, you know, comparison. But instead, it just feels like another kind of like throw away, fight a random bad guy to promote another book tie in. And, you know, I I'm enjoying some of the assessor stuff. I do think the Miles Morales book leans way too heavily on the one villain that they created that is actually interesting instead of like trying to create a whole group of villains that are interesting. That was the least interesting part of like what I thought we could get out of, of this, you know, and, and it also undermines that like, I don't really understand the whole beyond corporate Spider-Man thing because Ben doesn't really seem to be on board with that. Although he's happy to take their tech, but like, it just feels like such a half measure. Like, if, if I were going to do this book, like why not have Spider-Man embrace that and see like what that means to actually enforce that and hold it over Miles's head. Instead, he just kind of rolls over and we get a repeated beat uh, again. This is a really big reflection about, you know, what it means to have quality editors when it comes to managing, especially a, 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 a triple ship book like Spider-Man, well, quadruple ship this month, you know, like you, you go back to brand new day and yes, you had the rotating creative teams, but like, I don't know, to me, like those books always, there, there was always a cohesiveness to it where even though each 
each creative team kind of brought their own little, you know, secret sauce to the mix. It all felt connected in a way, and it felt like it was all progressively moving the pieces forward on the board. And, you know, what I'm starting to see here now that we're seven chapters in, and I think that's a fair amount to start assessing, is as as we bring in new creative teams, it's like every every creative team, when they come on, it's like they're writing beyond for the first time, you know, like and and, and you feel like they're, re- you know, we're resetting plot beats and 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 overall uh, moments because it's like, well, for them, this is their, their point one, you know, like, like, oh, we're, we, we got to set up beyond is evil. We got to set up that they're going to hold something over Ben's head that we know is something, but we don't really have all the information yet. So we can't fully assess why Ben still feels beholden to this. They're screwing with who we, we, the audience know are other good guys in terms of miles in this case. But like, again, like to, to what end? I mean, are they, are they going to like, wipe miles off the face of the earth. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I think Ben even makes a joke about that. Like, what do you want me to do to him? <laughs> and and it's like there and it, and it and it's still, you know, it still feels like very toothless, you know, corporate stoogy threats. But like, you know, like, are we to believe that this these threats can be elevated? I don't know, because we've been kind of circling these these same themes now for for seven issues. So, you know, I I, I, I hate to constantly beat up on this editorial team. But like, you know, when we basically got out of a storyline that, you know, prattled on for three years, never really moving the pieces forward until like the last few issues with the whole kindred thing. You, you kind of see a pattern developing here, which is maybe, you know, not having a tight control on the management of this of this book is 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 suffering the creators, because I think, in, you know, on their own, these creators are all good. We like Jed McKay on Black Cat. We like Saladin on on Miles, and and you know even I'm not saying that they're all perfect, but like you know, but like now I feel like these stories have like are starting to kind of wane in their quality here because we're starting to see oh, we're not really doing anything progressively forward together as a unit here, and that's that's a little frustrating. And regarding the Miles thing. Like I felt like there was more drama on Twitter over Miles's role in the Amazing Spider-Man universe than there was in this comic. You know, like people were arguing like, well, OK, so we're going to put Ben as the lead role in a Spider-Man book while we sideline Peter. And a lot of people are saying, well, why not Miles? Like, why not use this as an opportunity to put Miles in instead of, you know, Ben randomly. Right. So like. You, you could use this issue to address that meta text and criticism. Like, like, why wasn't it Miles that got to take over this book? And, and instead, like, I don't feel like we engage with that in any way. And I feel like that story is like, it's right there. You know, like, like Solid and Ahmed, you know, maybe didn't have the foresight to know how people would react to the Beyond News. But like, man, like, it, I don't think it would take a genius to like actually like lean into like that criticism a little bit. So like Saladin Ahmed, we haven't talked about him much on the show because we don't talk about Miles's book really here. And there, this is, I mean, for its credit, like it's nice to see a book in Amazing Spider-Man actually acknowledge the existence of Miles as a character in his own kind of pocket Spider-Man universe of Brooklyn, which I think is like a, like a, a good way for him to like coexist with Peter is to give him his own realm yeah, in Brooklyn, his own territory. Um, <laughs> yeah. What, what, what do you think about like solid and Ahmed as a writer in the miles book? And then I guess the follow-up would be like, how do we feel about him? You know, any one of these people could walk out of this taking over amazing Spider-Man 
you know, how do you feel about him? Is he a creator you would see ready to step up into a, like a role like that? I mean, honestly, n- not entirely. I mean, I think that I, I think he had a very challenging task in taking over Miles, who at that point had only had one person work on him, which was the person who created him, who I think, frankly, you know, and this is no disrespect to Brian Michael Bendis, who's a who's a legend, but, you know, I think was just treated his creation a little too preciously and, and protectively in terms of how he wanted him betrayed in the in the rest of the of the, you know, comic book universe, if you will. And I think, you know, in that regard, Ahmed has done well with kind of rebooting Miles in a way that it didn't doesn't feel like a hard reboot. Like it, it was very subtle, but like the book, the book reads a little more. What's the word I'm looking for? It just it just feels a little more grounded again, <laughs> if, if, if you know what I mean. Like it's just like, OK, like like this reads as someone who is new to the role of Spider-Man, still figuring things out and and going through the 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 hiccups that come with that, that I don't think Bendis was getting across towards, especially towards the end of his time with Marvel. With that said- I, I, don't, I don't think Saladin Ahmed is a great plotter. I don't love like the ideas that he kind of brings to, to the plot, but I really love his character-oriented stuff. Like I think his best work on the book are, are issues that are like, kid who collects issues there's one i think it's like issue 25 where he like miles meets like this young kid that's into fashion and like allows him to redesign his costume and i thought that was a really sweet issue so like like there's a there's a sentimentality to silent and ahmed's writing that i really enjoy yeah i mean even even the clone saga i mean i liked how like each clone had a very distinct personality and of course it was like kind of like the the rejected brother that ended up being kind of the heart and soul of of, of miles escaping from that situation you know what i mean like that 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 shows a connection to character that i don't think is innate with every writer when they come to this medium but yeah I, I in terms of i think the broader plot strokes i mean you know like you know I, I i'm not trying to sound pretentious here because we're a spider-man podcast but i feel like spider-man you do kind of have to walk the line between that intimacy and the friendly neighborhood aspects but also like i mean there have been so many grand epic stories in spider-man history like you kind of have to find a way to marry the two without it going too big or being too small and I, 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 my concern, especially after reading this issue and then the next issue, is that I feel like Ahmed would be too small for this book. I just don't think he's got the big enough ideas to kind of elevate Peter's universe in a way that would really, I don't know, like feel true to the core of Amazing Spider-Man. Maybe as a, as a B book, maybe he could do Web of, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, but like the way Web of used to be. But like that's kind of where I, I, I would pigeonhole him right now. I, I don't think he's 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 ready for the leap just yet. I agree with that. I think his character stuff is great. I think in terms of big ideas, I think he struggles, and we'll definitely talk about this in our review of the next issue. I think he struggles with the genre of that Spider-Man exists in because when he brings in high concept ideas, they're typically from like genres that I don't think mesh with his kind of like grounded character work. Like even in the clone saga, the rejected brother that's like made out of goop that has kind of hung around for the next 15 or so issues. I'm probably exaggerating that number, 
it that feels very incongruous to me with the grounded Miles story that there is a shape shifting goopy Miles out there, and you know he's making it work, but like. It just seems like maybe a, like a, a step or two too extreme to introduce into this grounded world. And we can definitely talk about that in the next issue that we review. But I think he's still trying to figure out like what kind of things. I mean, I think about like Amazing Spider-Man issue two, where like it put Peter up against like aliens. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, right. It's like, OK, you can do that and it can work for the character. But like it's not really the genre that Spider-Man should be operating in. So that's kind of how I feel about like Saladin Ahmed as a writer, as much as I do like and appreciate his work and often think that the Miles Morales book is like one of the best Spider-Man books being published at the moment. Do we think, you know, does he have a a good voice for like Ben slash Peter? Like, do we feel like that rings true here? That's hard to say. Yeah. I don't, I don't, you know, like, I don't know if anybody has a voice for Ben yet outside of Zeb Wells on this on this arc. I got to be honest with you. Like, I, I feel like everyone is kind of struggling with it outside of Zeb Wells, which makes sense because he's the he's the kind of the idea creator here and doing this. But yeah, I, I, I don't I don't hear Ben as being distinct here in any kind of way. Cody Ziegler is the closest, I think, to Zeb Wells that the kind of rest of the team has come. But yeah, nothing stood out here particularly strong for 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 Ben. Well, hey, Mark, if people want to talk about this a little bit more, where might they be able to do so? Well, hundreds of listeners like you hang out in our community of Spider-Man fans on Slack. The amazing Spider Slack community is absolutely free to join, and you can jump into active conversations with awesome people about collecting, conventions, movies, new comics, old comics, and more. Yeah, Mark, I hang out there all the time. Uh, This week, you know, I think in the kind of wake of Spider-Man No Way Home, I mean, why not get into a little bit of MCU hot takes? We've been kind of (laughs) dishing on all of our MCU film hot takes. I mean, there's some stuff in there that I, like, can't really believe. Like, people saying that, like, Chris Pine didn't fit the role of Captain America initially. I mean, what? Um, (laughs) So come on in there and dish with us on all of our MCU film hot takes. I mean, and in a respectful environment. That's the best thing is, like, on Twitter, if you said any of the things that we say in this Slack, you would be just, like, destroyed. (laughs) But here we, we, we politely acknowledge that we all have strange feelings about one or two MCU films. Like if you want to join our awesome Spider-Man community, just follow the link in the description to our Slack and be sure to say hi. And once you're there, be sure to let us know what you thought of this very episode that you're listening to at this moment. So Mark, getting back into Amazing Spider-Man Volume 5, Number 81, I want to talk about Maxine Danger because <laughs> like, okay, so there's a couple things that are going on here. First, you know, the end of this issue seems to be kind of the first acknowledgement that Beyond is like at least willing to put villains into the field to kind of get what they want done. I mean, we had long suspected that the UFOs might have been hired by Beyond to kind of knock out Peter from the game. And here we see Maxine kind of holding up this canister with the rhizome, like a bit of the rhizome thing in it. Now, I, I, I'm I, reluctant to say that she's working with the assessor from the Miles Morales comics because I just don't think that that's actually happening. 
but I still feel like Maxine is totally toothless overall. Like she keeps yelling at Ben about how much they're investing in him, but until she actually puts some limitations on him, we've heard that she's like reprimanding Marcus, but like give me something to actually like think that she can, you know, she's got some bite with that bark other than her haircut. You know, like, give me something to this character. It's your, almost your thoughts. I would say it's almost like she's just, you know, talking about how Ben is going to pay for his sins over and over again. I mean, no, I mean, like, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be glib, but like there, there, there is some there is a pattern here. You know, like I, 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 I you're right. I mean, I feel that like, you know, if we're truly as, uh, trying to and I'm going to just go for the pun here, uh, you know, st- establish the danger level here then she's got to do something more than what she's doing right now. Like just talking about, you know, we got resources and, you know, I'm going to give you a very stern letter <laughs> rebuking, <laughs> rebuking your actions. And, and it's going to be vaguely ominous. And then we're going to have, you know, the the what do you call it? Uh, the, the 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 two, not the sister, uh, Courtney and um, uh God, my this might be brain fog, Dan. Help me out here. From uh, the 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 two people that are following who, who, who Co- Colleen Wing and Misty Knight. Yes, thank you. Oh my God, <laughs> those hugely memorable characters. Yes, Colleen Wing and Misty Knight. We're gonna have them show up and you know again, kind of you know raise their eyebrows at, at Maxine Danger, but but nothing is happening, and you're kind of like, all right, well then do something. Like you know, I feel like Scott Evil, just shoot him. <laughs> Like what do you like? (laughs) Like stop talking and do something that's more than threatening. If if you truly have power to do something, and and it's just gonna make the ultimate reveal here ring less true and feel hollow because you know we really don't have a threat level beyond implied threat. You know, it's 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 everything is just kind of suggested and and you know ominously toned. But, you know, it's it's just not working. And, and, you know, again, like not to keep beating this drum, but it's reminding me of Kindred. It's like, OK, like what is really that special about Kindred then? Like because you just don't seem to want to move on it and 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 make him cross that line or whatever it is, you know, like and so we're seeing that here. So like it's beyond we, we've known beyond has been I don't want to call it the big bad, but like we've known that they're not good since the beginning essentially like it's not it's not a secret and i think i even said that as a good thing in my first you know in our first review of this series which was that oh it's going to be nice to just have a villain be a villain and not have to like play these games of well you know how far are they going to go you know like and but we're doing it again so like make make up your mind spider office how 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 bad is maxine danger because as of right now it just kind of feels kind of blah (laughs) and i I won't say anything more because yeah, I think you said it all there. Uh, sausage making a little bit. We've read issues, you know, eight and nine of this run. And I I think that still holds true to two issues past this. What do we think about Carlos Gomez as the artist here? He's been kind of bounced around the Amazing Spider-Man office and on a number of books. I believe he even did a few issues of Miles. To me, I, I still, I think I associate him with Miles's book. So he's got more of a kind of like, YA styling it's like very friendly and clean and that's good I think he's a really strong storyteller 
What, what, what do you think? Uh, to be totally honest, I mean, I didn't find anything particularly visually memorable here, especially, you know, since you've already admitted the sausage making in terms of like what kind of followed on this book. I mean, which definitely had a more visually memorable style. The next two issues that followed here. It's fine. I would give it I, I would rate the art fine. <laughs> it worked, I guess. You know, like you said, it, it, it kind of matched the vibe of the Miles book. And this was you know, it is the Miles Rider with Miles in it. So I guess it's good to kind of carry that tone um, and style over. You know, I don't feel like it really elevated the story in any kind of meaningful way. Uh, so let's give our rating on, on this issue. So, Mark, I'm giving this one a flat C. This is about as average as they come. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, like, you know, and, and, the, and the way I was kind of going on about it, you might think I'd go lower. But no, it's a, it's a totally average issue. I guess for me, you know, again, we talked earlier about the 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 promise and opportunity of both this issue individually but also i think of beyond in general and and we're starting to see the cracks in the armor and things are starting to peter out so a c at this point is kind of disappointing for me because i felt like we were in being above solid being above territory for a while and it's just kind of fallen off so anyway (laughs) see it's it's a little it's a little disappointing because like to me solid and ahmed was a guy that won an eisner for his black bolt you know, this is his first shot where we've got like, uh, like not that like it being a person of color automatically elevates, you know, the storytelling, but like that's an exciting opportunity for a book that's been so dominated by white men writing the character. He gets to bring Miles in. And I just feel like none of that flavor like really was here to kind of spice this up a little bit you know like uh, like this could have really had a different vibe to it and i feel like it's pretty ho-hum i i would say that when they initially announced the creative team he was one of the people i was most excited about getting a shot here and to your point yeah it, it just kind of felt like oh okay i mean so he's here i'm not necessarily feeling like you know like you said we're getting a preview of who might take over the book or who could take over the book at some point you know even if it's not the next person who takes over the book I don't feel like we got an, uh, a definitive answer here with Ahmed. You know, if you do find this show that we're doing right now entertaining and valuable, you know, the best way you can support us is by recommending Amazing Spider Talk to a friend. We're still a very small podcast uh, with a very dedicated listenership, but it would help if more people knew about us. And that would be awesome if you guys could help us out. But if you're able to, the next thing you could do is help us by becoming a member on the Patreon. We can only bring you this content with the support of our Patreon members, and we owe the show success to every single one of them. And we are constantly making exclusive content for our members. Yeah, so why not take the $3.99, the price of a new comic, sometimes, and put it towards a month subscription to support the show and start receiving our Patreon content. That way you'll hear our Patreon-exclusive review podcast on every new issue of Amazing Spider-Man the same week it comes out instead of waiting for it to arrive in our public podcasting feed. And if you contribute $10 a month, you gain access to exclusive artwork from famous Spider-Man artists commissioned exclusively for our members. This season, we'll be mailing out a print by artist Ron Friends. He's created a lost page of The Kid Who Collects Spider-Man For Us, which was inked by Brett Breeding. This page depicts Tim and Spidey sharing laughs over Tim's Spider-Man comic collection. Plus, every episode, we release a new episode-specific desktop background created for us by artist Nick Cagnetti for our patrons to enjoy. 
And Mark, if I could pan my camera to the left, I, there's a giant stack here of mail packages to ship out. So um, that uh, really awesome print is going to be coming in the mail any day now. I'm just kind of waiting due to the supply chain for a couple of things to arrive at my doorstep so I can get it all shipped out. Yeah, you know, it's the new year and it, we know it's a hard time for everybody as it is for us too. So we appreciate anyone who supports the show just by listening and sharing. But if you do have the means, please join our Patreon to support our continued existence. Just follow the link in the description. And again, a thank you to everybody who is already supporting us. It is a huge deal and really helps us continue doing the show and making it better year after year. So we, we thank you uh, as well. But alas, Dan, it is that time, which is time for the good things like our show to come to an end. So we want to say thank you to you, the listeners and viewers, for tuning in to this episode of The Amazing Spider Talk. Yeah, this episode was edited by Rick Coase with production support from Andy Myers. Our artwork comes handcrafted by artists Ron Friends, Sal Busema, and Ray Sumzer. Our theme songs were produced by Rylan Bojack, Tony Thaxton, and Spider Madge. Remember, this episode was originally released on Patreon as a live stream hangout with us back when the comic was first released. So if you'd like to help support our show's continued existence and these reviews while joining us on a live stream, why not head on over to our Patreon and sign up? But Mark, we've got to bring it to an end, which means we've got to end our show with our motto. So Mark, until you try to enforce your copyright on the word dapper in my name, what's our motto? I don't know if dapper Mark works, but that's a good idea. Anyway, our motto, of course, is with great podcasts, there must also come the amazing spider talk. Don't, don't miss the next installment.